Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Political hitmen. I'm Howie Silbiger, your political hitman here on Israel News Talk Radio. It is a pleasure to be back with you. I, I've been off for a little while. Uh, I had a medical issue that I had to deal with, and uh, thank God, thank God, I am much better. So uh, I am back, and uh, we are here, and you could call in. The show is live, which means you could call in. Numbers to call in North America, 301-768-4841. In Israel, the number is 0265-00151. So it's, it's, been, uh, it's been quite a few years um, since the end of the Holocaust, somewhere around 80 years. And, um, and I, I, don't, I don't normally get worked up about, uh, about Holocaust stories. Uh, and people using Holocaust imagery. I know a lot of people do. It, it doesn't bother me all that much. Uh, even Holocaust deniers don't bother me all that much because, um, look, there's always going to be a certain level of idiocy in the world, always going to be a certain level of, of morons in the world, and we just have to accept the fact that there are some people who are just, who are just moronic and, um, and, and, will, and will do what they do, and no, matter what we, no matter what we say, no matter how upset you get. And you're not going to change that. So this stuff never really concerned me. Uh, it didn't concern me when they were um, when they were advocating that you know the Holocaust never happened and it's a big Jewish hoax. That didn't bother me all that much because um, listen, you know, whoever's going to believe it, whoever's ignorant enough to believe uh, th- these fools, is going to be ignorant enough to believe these fools. And it doesn't matter what you argue, it doesn't matter what you say, you're not going to change the minds of the ignorant. So uh, I had better things in my life to focus on. And better things politically to focus on than uh, than, than the idiocy of Holocaust denial. And, and and Holocaust imagery never really bothered me either. I remember a few years ago, maybe ten, a little less than ten years ago, I got I got a call on one of my shows, um, where a uh, a caller called me up and said, "Howie, says I have to tell you that there is a store in the downtown area that is selling Hitler T-shirts." I said, "Really." And he says, yeah. He says, not only are they selling Hitler T-shirts, but they're selling uh, T-shirts with images of, uh, of Hitler uh, you know, reclining on a beach, Hitler uh, playing volleyball. And they, um, and they have a shirt. And they have a shirt of uh, you know, regular Nazi swastika shirts. And they have a big Nazi flag in the window. What should I do about it? The guy says to me. It drives me crazy. Every time I walk by there, I get sick to my stomach. It drives me crazy. I don't know what to do about it. And I... I answered him. I said to him, listen, I said, you know, I'm not going to do a show on it. I'm not going to devote the show to this because I, th- I think it's irrelevant. It's, it's stupid to, to devote your show to this. How does it hurt anybody when, when somebody's walking around with a, Nazi, with a Nazi emblem? It doesn't hurt anybody. It doesn't change anything. Nobody's going to turn around tomorrow and say, oh, look, there's a swastika. Oh, now I'm a Nazi. No one's going to do that. It's, it's, it's not a realistic expectation of people. The people wearing it are fools, and the people who 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 uh, who who will gravitate to these people because they're wearing it are even bigger fools. So so that doesn't bother me. Uh, so so I was um, but I'm, I'm awfully surprised, and and this is the thing I always get very surprised when I see the symmetry popping up in popular culture. Uh, it, it just it surprises me. Um, not only were the Nazis an evil genocidal group of people. Who decided to wipe out an entire nation? Uh, but they, but they were also they were also the king of fascism, and and not only did they kill the Jews, but they killed the gays, and they, they killed the blacks, and they killed anybody they didn't like. And uh, you know the the end result of Nazism was the death of thirty million people. So I mean, it, it's it's a lot of people who died. And so so I know the Jews are are particularly upset with the Nazis since a third of the Jewish population was murdered by them. But, but there are a lot of other people who are killed by the Nazis who should be equally as upset with the Nazis and should be equally, uh, equally, equally um, uh, upset with Nazi imagery all over the place. And, and, and that comes into play sometimes, but, but not often. 
mostly it's just the Jews screaming. So, uh, this past weekend, there was a huge music festival, and we get these festivals ever since Woodstock. You've had these festivals all over North America, and there was a huge music festival. Uh, this one taking place in Montreal, Quebec, in Canada, and um, and and in this festival, there was a rapper named Slow Thigh. Uh, you know, these rappers have weird names, and and this guy Slow Thigh got up. Uh, he's a British rapper, and he got up on stage, and. Um, and, and he was wearing a, a swastika T-shirt. In fact, on his T-shirt, there was a pink swastika. Uh, it was painted in a red circle with an under overturned image of Jesus on the cross above it. An upside-down Queen Elizabeth is also tucked into the corner. Now, now, a bunch of Jewish groups freaked out because that's what they're paid to do. These uh, Jewish groups are paid to freak out. Anytime anything happens that might remotely be anti-Jewish, they, they get to freak out. And every time they freak out, they, they get money. So, you know, we have to see through the through the um, through the you know the the non-transparent transparent uh, agenda of these Jewish groups that freak out every time something happens, every time anybody says anything, every time uh, every time anything happens. These these groups are the ones who um, who come out there, the first ones to come out and say, "Oh my gosh, how could this happen?" And every time they do that, they get money. So we have to understand that that that's the end goal is that everything is anti-Jewish. If everything is anti-Jewish, and they can fight everyone, uh, more money comes flowing into the organization. So as long as we understand that, we understand that. So the concert goes, uh, were left a little, some of them were left angry and upset, and some of them left the concert after this guy came out on stage and started performing in a, in a, in a swastika T-shirt. Now, um, a, a number of Jewish groups responded to the, uh, to the images that were circulating on social media because today nothing, nothing happens. Nobody pays any attention unless it's on a little screen on their phone. Uh, it could be happening right in front of them. They won't see it unless it's being broadcast on the screen. So so apparently a bunch of people took pictures and took video, and it was being broadcast on people's screens, and people were going, oh, my gosh, look at my look at my cell phone. Oh, my gosh, look at that. Look at that. So a leading on partisan American-based uh, organization called Stop Anti-Semitism, uh, they tweeted, atrocious. Uh, it was the only word. Um, comes to mind when we see Tyrone Frampton, whose, whose, whose stage name is Lothai, allowed to perform yesterday at the Oceaga Music Festival in Quebec, adorning a bright red swastika. Why wasn't he immediately yanked off stage? And then, of course, the Friends of the Simon Wiesenthal Center for Holocaust Studies, which is not at all associated with the Simon Wiesenthal Center. Um, it's a human rights organization based in Toronto that took the name because it's easier to milk money when you... Uh, when, when you use the name of, of a famous organization, become these Canadian friends up. Um, they, 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 they reacted to the video on Twitter too. And they, they wrote, while Slothai's intent at Oshiege may have been to denounce Nazism, the message was very badly executed. This ambiguous display of the swastika was frightening for Jews and others and should never have made it to stage. Sounds pretty ominous, doesn't it? Uh, you know, they, they make it sound like this guy was a, was a, was a raging Nazi who got onto stage and started singing Nazi songs. That's not what it was. Because this guy, this guy, um, this guy, uh, Slothai, he, uh, he, was, he was taken back a little bit by this. And he said, hey, wait a second, wait a second. Uh, that T-shirt was a version of an iconic Vivian Westwood design destroy T-shirts from 1977. Uh, it, it's a creation in collaboration with artist Malcolm Lauren. Um, it said destroy and there was Nazi on, a Nazi symbol on it. Uh, her, her concept was that you know, the shirts were talking about destroying, destroying fascism. So Nazism, Queen Elizabeth, fascists. This was, was the idea that, that, that the shirt was trying to express. So, um, so, so Oshiaga, the, uh, the music festival, they, they came up with a statement saying, performer, a performer appeared on stage Saturday wearing a controversial T-shirt displaying a swastika that caused confusion. The T-shirt denounces the regime. We sincerely apologize to anyone who misinterpreted it. Okay? And then he, uh, then he came out, Slothai came out and said, I'm sorry to anyone who's offended by me wearing an anti-fascist, anti-regime T-shirt and using the symbol on it represents. The rapper said in his tweet, I want you to know I firmly stand against anti-Semitism, anti-fascism of any kind, something the T-shirt was meant to illustrate with the world destroy above the symbol. Now, now this whole idea of coming out and apologizing for wearing a T-shirt with a symbol on it seems outdated to me. It seems it seems it seems like overkill. What what do you have to apologize for? 
because one guy got upset because one guy was in solo. Who cares? Who cares? Your feelings. I don't care about them. Why would I care about them? Why should he care about them? If he had a political message he was trying to pass on and he had a point he wanted to make, why can't he do that? This is what's called freedom of speech. We live in a democracy. We live in a, we live, live in a country, thank God, most of us live in countries where we're allowed to express ourselves without getting shot, without getting, without getting ripped down. The second you start putting limits on freedom of speech, you're putting limits on everybody. So if this guy wanted to wear an anti-fascist T-shirt that had a swastika on it, he should be able to do that. I have absolutely no issue with him doing that. It doesn't insult me at all. Sure, was, was the swastika the symbol of Nazism? A, a, a symbol of, of hate and destruction? Of course it was. Should, should, I, should, I, should I embrace the swastika? Of course not. But if somebody else is going to wear one, should I be insulted? No. Just don't go to a concert. If you're at the concert, leave. Don't look at the guy. I mean, it, it, it seems simple. The, the solutions to these problems... Although they, uh, they, they tend to, uh, you know, these Jewish organizations, they want to milk, milk the community for money. We're fighting anti-Semitism, we're fighting anti-Jewism, we're fighting, we're fighting, we're fighting. Uh, they, they, they conflate these issues to make them a lot more complicated than they are. If you don't like a performer that's wearing a Nazi shirt or a swastika on his shirt, don't watch the performer. Walk away. If the entire audience walked away, that performer would be out of a job fairly quickly. It seems so simple, yet everyone makes it so complicated. Next story is even worse. I'm Howie Silberger. This is Political Hitman here on Israel News Talk Radio. Political hitman. I'm Howie Silberger, your political hitman here on Israel News Talk Radio. You could call in and join in the conversation. You can do that by dialing in North America 301 768 4841. In Israel, you could dial 0265-00151. Of course, those numbers are available on the top of the page at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. So it seems like all the crazies were focusing on the Holocaust this week. It just, it just, it was just so weird because one story after another, after another, after another, it never ended. And um, and I was trying to find a correlation between the Holocaust and um, and 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 the nutcases who are who are who are doing things like this. So yeah, you had the rapper who went out on stage dressed in a t-shirt with a swastika on it I, I don't personally care about that but but that's what happened um and uh i i'm thinking that uh that you know we're, we're into the nine days now nine days before before the ninth of of um leading up to the commemoration of the uh of the of the destruction of the of the of the, of the the Holy Temple in Jerusalem. So maybe, maybe, maybe this is all correlated. I don't know. I'm not a spiritualist, and uh, I don't make those kind of connections. But I, I do know that the next story I'm going to tell you is more outrageous than the last story I told you because it's just that's the way the world works, right? That that you, you go through one story that, that you think, oh, nothing, nothing crazier than this could happen, and then this happens. All right, so... So oh, um, a bar in Rhode Island, uh, Rhode Island in, uh, in, in the United States, the smallest state in the United States, uh, a bar in Rhode Island has apologized for mocking Anne Frank's death. Yep, yep, you heard me right. You heard me right. A bar in Rhode Island apologized for mocking Anne Frank's death. They posted a, a meme on its Facebook page on Friday. That compared the hot weather in the area to concentration camp ovens. All right, so this one here is maybe a little more offensive. Now, referencing a heat wave rolling through New England, the Atlantic Sports Bar and Restaurant in Tiverton shared a black and white picture of Anne Frank, who was killed by the Nazis in 1945, with the quote under it. This is the caption of the picture of Anne Frank. This was a caption in their in their picture in their advertisement. And 
It's hotter than an oven out there, and I should know. That's, that's, that's what they wrote. That's what they wrote under a picture of Anne Frank. Now, the bar was immediately slammed with angry comments with some demanding a boycott of the business. Wow, what a racist pit, Facebook user Annie Ann wrote on the restaurant's page. Don't patronize until they apologize. It's disgusting, horrific, and you need to actually apologize from the start for another irate poster. And then again, and again, and again. I can't get my head around who would make the meme or share it. Shame on you. The meme was quickly deleted, and the owners waited more than a day before issuing a formal apology. This is what they wrote. There is no excuse for sharing of the post, and there is nothing that we could do to rectify it. All we could do now is to offer our deepest apologies to those who were rightfully hurt by our actions. The eatery wrote on its Facebook page, The Atlantic Restaurant prides itself on being a tolerant, inclusive, and safe space for all people. Apparently all people except for Holocaust survivors. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's not shocking. I, I, I'm, you know, most people would say this is shocking. I, I'm actually not shocked by this. I'm not shocked at all by this. And let me tell you why. The idea that a, a restaurant or anybody could post a picture of a, uh, of a well-known Holocaust victim and put a caption like, it's so hot out here. It's very hot out here. I should know. It's hot like an oven out here. I should know. Uh, it's just an indication of the ignorance and the lack of education that Americans are getting regarding the Holocaust, regarding world history. I, I, I know that there are schools that, that don't teach anything, and, and that's really where the issue lies is that kids are coming out of school and, and they're not learning anything. And then they think a joke like this is funny. It's not funny, but they think it's funny. They think it's funny to go into a, into a cemetery at Halloween time and, and, spray, and, spray, and spray paint swastikas onto tombstones. They think it's funny to, uh, to, to make Holocaust jokes. Uh, I tell you, not long ago, a, um, a, young, uh, a young boy... Uh, came up to me. Uh, we we were talking. Uh, I work in school, so uh, I, I'm always talking with kids. And, and a young boy came up to me, and he says to me, and he says to me, I'm not going to repeat it, but he told me a very nasty Holocaust joke. And this is a Jewish young kid. And I looked at him, and I said to him, I, I don't understand. I don't understand. Uh, where did you hear this joke, and why are you repeating it? And the kid said, isn't it funny? It's a funny joke. Isn't it funny? I said to him, no, no, it's not funny at all. The fact is that um, that the farther we get away from the Holocaust, the easier it is for people to to do these kind of things, to make these kind of jokes. I was at a comedy show not long ago where uh, where another Anne Frank joke was made, uh, and another crude and and rude and disgusting Anne Frank joke was made. Now, now respect for the dead is one thing. Uh, respect for the murdered is something totally different, and and we really should insist on respect for the murdered. Uh, a little while back, a couple of years ago, Netflix, did uh, they have a roasting series where, where celebrities get roasted. So other people come out and they say nasty things about the celebrities and celebrities get roasted. A couple of years ago, Netflix did a roast of Anne Frank. So I don't know why Anne Frank keeps getting picked on, maybe because she's the most recognizable face of the Holocaust. But Netflix did a roasting, a roasting show of Anne Frank, the roast of Anne Frank. I didn't watch it because it's just repulsive to me that you would exploit the victim of, a, of the Holocaust, a victim of the Holocaust like that. So I refused to watch that show. I, I absolutely refused to watch it. But I did look at the roster of comedians that were performing in this episode, and they were all Jewish. So there's an old adage, there's an old, there's an old saying saying that you know, if you're black, you can make black jokes. If you're Greek, you can make Greek jokes. If you're Jewish, you can make Jewish jokes. And, and that may be true and may be more accepted when a Jew makes a Jewish joke or a black makes a black joke. Although, although if, if these jokes are really racist, they shouldn't be accepted. In today's world, today's woke world, we shouldn't really accept this stuff, but apparently they do. But wokeness only works for everyone except for the Jews. So now, when, when Netflix runs a show roasting Anne Frank, 
There is absolutely no kickback whatsoever. Jews don't flip out. The woke community doesn't flip out. The the uh, oh, you know we must protect everybody. Community doesn't flip out. Nobody cares. When when a, a restaurant posts a, a a meme saying it's hot as heck out here, it's hot as ovens out here. I should know with a picture of Anne Frank. A couple of people complain. The restaurant backed down because they figured they were going to lose business. But, but, but. Really, who who would have thought to 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 create this thing? Act. Somebody thought it was funny and put it up. As we get farther and farther away from the Holocaust, we're going to see more and more of this. We're going to see more jokes. We're going to see more people just flippantly, uh, flippantly mentioning the Holocaust. And maybe as Jews, uh, we should start getting insulted. Maybe as Jews, we should start defending the ancestors that can't defend themselves because they were murdered. Maybe as Jews, we should start caring that our legacy, the legacy—I mean, it's not a great legacy; it's it's a legacy of murder. But our, but our legacy is being tarnished, and the the memory of these people are being tarnished. I I think that. Um, I think we have to start doing that. I think as Jews, we, we have the obligation to to defend the victims of the Holocaust. As Jews, we have the obligation to defend their memory, to defend their honor, to defend them. When, when we choose not to, and, uh, and, and we, we've been sort of choosing not to lately, when we do choose not to, we have, uh, we have serious problems. And, and we only encourage, we only encourage more people to to make these kind of jokes. More people to to uh, to to disparage the Holocaust victims. More people to deny the Holocaust. More people to to encourage other people to deny the Holocaust, and more people to uh, to persecute the Jews. Really, that's what it all comes down to at the end, anyway, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Yeah, you, you take like if if we are if we are in a race, as as they say, we are. In, into who is the most victimized people. And if, if the most victimized people are supposed to be on the top of the heap, Jews should be on the top of the heap. We're not. And, and there's various reasons why we're not. I mean, essentially because everybody hates us. So uh, there, there are major reasons why we are not on top of the heap. Now, we really should be on top of the heap because, I mean, you know, what other nation, what other nation could say that there were factories built for their destruction. There, there were factories, death factories built to kill them. I can't think of any other nation that could say that. And it's very unfortunate that we have to be the ones. It's very unfortunate that we fall into that category. But that's what it is. That's the way it is. Unfortunately, unfortunately, the world hates the Jews. Which brings me to thank God we have Israel. Because if we didn't have Israel... If we didn't have Israel, we'd have no allies. The Jews of the diaspora would have no allies in the world. It's it's a sad statement. It's really sad. And it's sad that there wasn't more outrage over this restaurant and their meme. It's sad that there wasn't more outrage over um, over the swastika wearing wrapper. And, and the next story I'm going to tell you is also an outrageous story. But there was no outrage over that either. Political hitman. Silberger, your political hitman here on Israel News Talk Radio. You could call in. I'd love to talk to you. Number to call 301-768-4841. In Israel, the number is 0265-00151. Uh, it is live. I would love to talk to you. Give me a call. Um, 301-768-4841. 0265-00151. You can get those numbers on the top of the page on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. So, uh, 
I was just uh, just over the break. I was thinking about um, I was thinking about that meme again, and I was thinking about the joke that, that this young boy told me, which was a very similar joke to the meme. And uh, I, I'm I'm at a loss. I, I know at the beginning of the show I said that um, I, I wasn't really I'm not really concerned about people who deny the Holocaust. I'm not really concerned about uh, about Nazi imagery being shown. It, it, I, I really not, and that doesn't concern me all that much. But the the disparaging of of Holocaust victims, the the diminishing of the horrors of the Holocaust by making jokes out of them, uh, that bothers me a lot, and I'll tell you why. Uh, when when someone's murdered, and uh, and and here we have uh, we have over six million people who were murdered. So when someone's murdered, uh, we have to look. When someone dies, we sit shiva for the person. As Jews, we sit shiva, and we honor the person's memory. Uh, Thirty days of mourning, and then and then a year of mourning. If you, if you're a child of the uh, of the of the person who died, it is a it is a sorrowful is a sorrowful event. We we care about the people who die, and and we we honor their memory, and we honor their we honor their spirit, and we honor we honor them by by saying kaddish, by saying a special prayer in the synagogue for a year, by by commemorating the one-year anniversary, the two-year anniversary, and every anniversary after that of the person's death. And, and in, in a lot of cases, uh, children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren commemorate the deaths of parents and grandparents and great-grandparents. It, it is very important. The memory of the dead is, is very important in the Jewish culture. So when if we spend that much time remembering the dead and honoring the dead, and praying for the dead, and 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 thinking about the dead, and remembering the dead. When other people are making jokes and and cracking and cracking jokes about about the, those people, about people who died, we should be highly insulted. We should be we should be infuriated. But the Jewish community seems to be apathetic. Nobody seems to care. And, and that's the saddest part of the whole thing. The only people who care, and I know I. I always, I always put them down, but the only people who care, and it's not even a real care, it's a false care, it's people who, who are paid to care, are these organizations that just use this stuff to raise money. It's, it's really, we're in a sad state. In North America, the Jews are in a sad state. I've been saying this a long time on the show, and I will continue saying it. North American Jews, Judaism in North America is dead. We're, we're in a really, really sad state, in a bad state. And if we continue going like this, I mean, eventually there's going to be nothing left. And I know I, I saw I saw a, um, earlier today, I saw a blog post on the Times of Israel talking about uh, um, talking about in the 1990s, they said intermarriage was at 52 percent, and, um, and and that meant the end of Judaism. And the blogger was trying to was trying to um, make the argument that intermarriage was good for the Jewish people, that Jews marrying non-Jews was good for the Jewish people. That was the argument trying to be made in that blog. I mean, it was a ridiculous argument, and uh, he says, "Look, you know, Jewish, uh, Jewish, Jewish population's up thirty-three percent since nineteen ninety. You know, it was supposed to disappear. Now it's up thirty-three percent." But then he 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 admitted at the end of the article. So so as the article went on, he started. He he actually admitted that. Well, it all depends on how you define who a Jew is. So if you, if you take the reform definition that a Jew comes from uh, either a Jewish mother or a Jewish father, that's one thing. If you take the um, if you take the Orthodox standard, where 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 Judaism the lineage comes through the mother, that's a totally different number. So it all depends on where you're counting from. Now there was another story this week that was uh, that that was that was kind of weird. It's it's a weird story. Also had to do with Holocaust, but but a strange one. Um, just the other day, uh, actually it was <laughs> actually the story came out uh, came out yesterday. Really, uh, Jewish buyer for Hitler's watch. So, so an auction house sold a watch that was owned by Adolf Hitler to a European Jew for 800,000 pounds. Now, the Alexander Historical Auctions told the Washington Post that uh, they sold the watch. It was a Jewish buyer, uh, but they're not going to name the Jewish buyer. Now, the watch sold for, uh, sold for $1.1 million American on the auction's first day. And its buyer was a European Jew, the president of Alexander Historical Auctions, Bill Panagokoulos, told the
told the Washington Post. He declined to name the buyer. He also told the newspaper that he and his family had received death threats amid criticism of the two-day auction of Nazi memorabilia. The European Jewish Association was among the multiple groups to condemn the sale, saying that allowing the items to enter private hands trivializes the holocausters. Now, Pab- Panagopoulos told the uh, Jewish Telegraph Agency before the sale that those critics did not resonate with him. What we sell is criminal evidence, no matter how insignificant. It's tangible, real, in-your-face proof that Hitler and the Nazis lived, and also persecuted and killed tens of millions of people. To destroy or in any way impede the display or protection of this material is a crime against history, he wrote. The buyers, he added, are not neo-Nazis who are too poor and too stupid to appreciate any kind of historical material. So I said it at the beginning of the show, I'll say it again. I, I'm not really concerned about Nazi material, Nazi propaganda being sold. If somebody wants to spend his hard-earned cash buying buying a, a lamp or a, or a watch that Hitler wore, I don't care. Let them spend their money. What do I care? It's their money. They can spend it any way they want. But what I do care about uh, more than this story is that, uh, is that the memory of the Holocaust victims uh, is preserved. Now... I know some people are looking at at that at their radios and saying, "Hey, wait a second, Howie. We heard your show. We heard you. We heard you say that you didn't like Holocaust museums. That that you didn't think Holocaust museums were were the appropriate way to commemorate the Holocaust. In fact, you did a full hour show on that, didn't you, Howie? And uh, I." I my answer is, yeah, I did. I did do a full hour show on that. I did say that I don't like the way Holocaust museums commemorate the Holocaust. Now, l- let me let me explain to you why. So, so before you all, you know, get your dander up because you all remember me saying this. Let me let me explain to you why. Holocaust museums commemorate the death of Jews, not the life of Jews. So when we sit, Shivan, when we sit and we think about the, our loved ones who have passed on, we don't think about the way they died. We don't think about the last time we saw them when they were dying, if, 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 if we did. We don't, we don't think about their long sicknesses or their sudden deaths. We don't think about their bodies lying on a, on a slab in the, in the hospital. We don't think about that stuff. We don't think about the, the grave or the, uh, or the, or the, or, or, or the uh, casket. This is not stuff that goes through our minds when we remember people who who died, loved ones who died. When we remember loved ones who died, we remember the life we had with them. We remember the life they lived. We remember we remember all the good times we had. We remember their lifestyle. We remember their recipes. We remember their uh, their laughter. We remember their, their old sayings. We remember the old ways that they did things. Remember our childhoods with them. This is what we remember. We we don't we don't remember them being thrown into the ground and. Uh, and, and dirt being thrown on them, we, we, we tend to block those memories out because they're painful, because we don't want to remember them. Uh, this is my problem with Holocaust museums. While it's important for everyone to know the, the magnitude of the murders that the Nazis committed, and that's 100%, 110% important for people to know. So it's important for people to be able to see how the Nazis murdered the Jews. Is it inherently important for them to see a bulldozer shoving bodies into a mass grave? Perhaps, because that that proves the inhumanity of Nazism. That 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 these these people committing these crimes had removed themselves from humanity. Perhaps, but Holocaust museums don't for a second show the life of Jews before the Holocaust the centuries of Jewish life in Europe before the Nazis came to power. They, they, kind of, they kind of gloss over that, and that's the important part. Let's go to the phones. Michael from Vancouver, welcome to the program. Thank you. Uh, thank you for the statement about the Jewish organizations and their... Um, sorry, there's an echo here. I can't hear you very well. But thank you for the statement about the Jewish organizations and how they have the outrage and then they just collect the donations. You're absolutely correct about that. I was president of the League of British Columbia for the Jewish Defense League Canada, and it's exactly the same situation with them. Manufactured outrage, lots of donations, little action. So you hit it right on the head with that one. 
It's very sad, though, that uh, our Jewish organizations don't actually care about the Jewish community. All they care about is the money coming in. It's sad. I, I know that. Um, I know that um, when I when I was a kid, you know, long, long, long time ago, when I was a kid, um, I was a little more. I was I was an idealist, uh, as as a lot of kids are, and we started an organization much almost like the Jewish uh, Jewish Defense League, but um, uh, it wasn't the Jewish Defense League, but it was it was similar, and. Um, and and it was the Jewish organizations that called the police, and it was the Jewish, the major, mainstream Jewish organizations that uh, that that really gave us a hard time. We were a bunch of kids trying just trying to make a difference, and and we were attacked by the mainstream Jewish organizations. We were we were condemned every week in the Canadian Jewish News and in local newspapers. It was crazy, um, but 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 that's what it is. It's the exact it's, same it's, story it's, with it's, me. Uh, I was the only person in British Columbia to ever confront the anti-Israel uh, demonstrations and protests. I did it about 50 times, and the Jewish organizations in Vancouver said that I'm ashamed to the Jewish community for doing that, that I'm embarrassing the Jewish community for doing that. What we would do is go to their pro-Palestine, anti-Israel hate events and just bring Israeli flags and loudspeaker boxes and just drown out their noise with music and with megaphones and signs and everything and we did it we did it legally peacefully nobody was harmed we did everything properly and the jewish organizations were more outraged with what i did than with the palestinians evoking hate against jews worldwide and that should tell you something that should tell you that our organizations uh political religious or whatever that it's exactly as the zohar says that in the end days, which is marked by Israel being founded in 1948, the beginning of the Great Redemption, in the end of days, we'll, we will be ruled by the Arab Rav. And that's what's happening right now. The Arab Rav's uh, agenda is anti-Israel. They're more danger to Israel than the Palestinians. I agree with you. And you know, you know the... Um... The, the funny thing is, though, that the, 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 their big problem is that you're taking the limelight away from them. You're making them look bad by doing what you're doing. So please keep doing it. Um, uh, uh, I, I was um, at one point, B'nai B'rith came to me and I don't mind naming them because I, I just don't care. Uh, at one point, B'nai B'rith came to me and said to me, hey, we're do, you know, there's a uh, there's a weekly anti-Palestine, there's a weekly anti-Israel um, protest in front of the Israeli consulate. Could you lead up the uh, the pro-Israel protest there? So I did. And um, and I gave fiery speeches there, you know, denouncing the people across the street and you know, and and just talking about the truth. And they removed me from that position because it made them look bad because they weren't doing anything to stop the other. You know, these guys were protesting for years and nobody did anything to stop them. And here I was advocating, you know, that they should be stopped. And so um, and so, you know, when you make them look bad, you're, you're taking you take away the spotlight from them. You take away the spotlight, you take away money. That's that's really what it comes down to. But the dollars and cents. That's right. It's a monopoly. It's a monopoly to connect yeah. to collect donations. A lot of people involved are in it for the right reason, but the people who are in charge are just uh, hoarding the donations and doing little work, just like the politicians in Israel. Same thing. So we have to so, realize that, and we have to realize that we have to stand so for ourselves because these organ we can no longer allow these organizations to represent us because they don't represent our interests, right? What do you think the politicians in Israel should be doing differently? Aside from going to elections every three months, what, what else should they be doing? Michael? Michael, you still You're there? barely coming in there. Can you repeat that? Yeah, what, what do you think the politicians in Israel, aside from going to elections every three months, what else do you think they should be doing? What we should be do that's just a distraction. What we need to be doing is what a logical country would do, what a logical, sane people would do when they're under attack, right? We should do the same thing any normal country would do. We should deal with the problem uh, rather than go... But the the whole... Si not with who wins the elections. The problem is with the political system itself. As long as we keep playing this game over and over again, we're going to keep having the same results. And it's really interesting because... Israelis are the brightest people. So it's quite amazing to me how we don't realize that we the same thing over and over again and get the same result. You know, it's like... Uh, 
it seems like we the, need to suffer more before we realize the truth. But I'll tell you one thing about what you said before is that when you speak the truth, you're going to be attacked. The world doesn't like oh. the truth. The world likes lies. That's why we get the politicians that we get, because we want to be lied to. It's very true. It's very, very true. Those who tell the truth are usually the marginalized ones, usually the ones who are called quacks and crazies, and usually the ones that don't get uh, that don't get ahead in communities. Because the only way you get ahead in community is giving donations. It's all about money. So the leadership in, in, in Jewish communities across across the diaspora is just about uh, who gave the most amount of money. And and that's the sad part about the Jewish leadership in North America. Look, we were Hellenized a few thousand years ago. Our establishment was Hellenized, and it never stopped. Now we have all these other foreign influences, but it's the same thing, right? We're, we have corrupt leadership. That That's what it comes down to. It's very true. Thank you for calling, Michael. I appreciate it. Michael from Vancouver. Thank you so much. Thank you for the show. I appreciate you, too. All right. Thank you. All right, so uh, you can call in too, 301-768-4841 in North America and Israel, 0265-00151. And Michael's 110% right. Uh, our organization, is, and I, I got fired from a job for saying this on my show um, a while ago, but our organization, um, are, are, we're Hellenized. They have been Hellenized, they continue to be Hellenized. Uh, they call themselves Jewish, but there's nothing Jewish about them, aside from the name Jewish on them. Uh, when you have Jewish community centers in cities that have non-kosher restaurants and are open uh, 365 days a year, there's nothing Jewish about that organization. There's nothing Jewish about that Jewish community center. When you have uh, organizations that intentionally, intentionally uh, go about breaking Jewish law and intentionally don't care about about uh, Jewish tradition or Jewish culture, uh, but but insist on calling themselves Jewish, uh, it is it is the beginning of the end of Jewish life in North America. And that is pretty much every Jewish organization in, 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 in North America. It's, it's very sad what North America has become and what the Jewish community in North America has become. This has been the central theme of this show since day one. We've talked about uh, Jewish life in North America and how it's dying. And um, we've come to near the end of it. I mean, you can't get, you can't get much worse when, when a restaurant in Rhode Island could put up a meme about Anne Frank, and then um, and then and then there's no real Jewish outrage. Nobody was really screaming except for two organizations that collect money for yelling. Let's go to Missouri and Tanya in Missouri. Hi, Tanya. Hi, Howie. Oh. How's it going? Can you hear me? I hear you. Oh, excellent. There's a delay. Thank you for taking my call. I'm yeah. I'm just loving your show. You are so spot on. Um, what's going on here is just criminal because there, there's no acknowledgement of the a massive amounts of assaults on Jews, the anti-Jewish curriculum in California, which is where I'm actually from originally. And um, I'm somebody who, um, back just a few years ago in Aurora, Colorado, for being Jewish, and I recognize it as my ethnicity, um, for medical history reasons, and I was refused medical care. The doctor wouldn't even enter the room. I didn't know she was Muslim at the time. I'd never even thought of it. And when I tried to complain to anybody to report it, because she violated her Hippocratic Oath, um, Nobody took me seriously. Even the Jewish editor, and I didn't know he was Jewish. He told me this in a conversation. He volunteered it of a Jewish-owned paper, no less, um, wrote a story and just referenced his conversation with me about what had happened and changed the perpetrator. It flipped it around, so I was a bigot <laughs> and um, didn't even just tell the truth about what had happened. And it was pretty horrifying uh, to have to go to the ER. So you're spot on. It's being ignored. Well, Tanya, I'm sorry that that happened to you. Uh, she didn't want to see you because she was a Muslim and you were a Jew? That, that's, Apparently that's, so. That's she terrible. wouldn't. She stood in the doorway. She was my assigned primary care physician, and I had just switched doctors. She would not come in the room to even examine me, to talk to me. She, it was horrible. I, I never had that experience in my life. And then I looked her up, and I found out that she had attended a Muslim university, um, I believe it was in Pakistan, and I, I, 
I never had that experience before in my life. I mean, in Southern California, in Los Angeles, I remember when um, the Ayatollah came in and the Shah fled, and we had a lot of Iranian immigrants. And, you know, it's, just, it's really different now. Yeah, the world has changed, Tanya. The world has really changed, especially North America. It's time for Jews to leave. That's, that's, that's the way I see it. Tanya, thank you so much for calling. appreciate your call. Thank you for your but show, Howie. Imagine, thank you. Take care. Thank you. Imagine not being able to get medical care because you're Jewish in North America. Now, I haven't verified the story, but I have no reason to doubt, Tanya, that that actually happened to her. It's, it's very sad. It's scary, if you ask me. Uh, give me a call. 301-768-4841 in North America. 0265-00151 in Israel. Uh, I, I, I've never experienced that. Uh, I, I wear my, I wear my yarmulke everywhere I go. My kippah, I wear it everywhere I go. I've never taken it off for anybody or for any reason. And, um, and I've proudly worn it and I've been yelled at and I've been screamed at. I've had pennies thrown at me. I've been lit on fire. That's a story for another show. Um, but, but I continue to wear it despite the hatred, despite the, uh, despite the, uh, the, the threats. I continue to wear it. And I will proudly wear it for the rest of my life because I'm not scared to wear it. I'm not scared of anything because I know that God is there protecting me. I hope and I pray, and this is a constant hope and pray. This is constant. It's, it's constantly my prayers. I hope and I pray that one day the North American Jewish community that cares about being Jewish will wake up, they will open their eyes, and they will see that there is a exit plan, that God has created an escape plan from the hell that America has become for the Jewish people. And while the door is still open, while we are still able to do it, Jews of North America should go home. That's the option. That's the only option. As the situation gets worse and worse in North America, we are hoping and we are praying that, that, that the Jewish community doesn't see a return to the kind of fascism that led to the murder of Jews in, 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 uh, in Europe, that, that led, to the, kind of, that led to, the, to, the, to the brainwashing of an entire population that were convinced that the Jewish people are bad uh, and evil and non-human and must be destroyed. That, that could happen again. It, the potential is there. The groundwork is already set. You have, uh, you have auction houses selling Nazi memorabilia. You have, uh, you have stores that, that openly sell Nazi memorabilia. You have rappers getting on stage displaying swastikas on their t-shirts you have restaurants putting out ads with holocaust victims and oven jokes you have major streaming services like netflix producing shows roasting holocaust victim child holocaust victims and this all seems to be acceptable in North America. When I did the um, when I did a show on that and Frank, when I did a show, a radio show, uh, complaining and 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 really being outraged about about the Anne Frank roast show on Netflix, I got a call from the director of the director of programming of Netflix, a guy I went to high school with, called me up, and he said, "You're a dinosaur. You don't know what's funny. You have no sense of humor." Joke. They made fun of Anne Frank. So what? You mean so what? On a comedy show, making fun. Question I asked him. He hung up on me. This has become an epidemic. It has become it has become a horrible, horrible, horrible thing. And unless we increase Holocaust education, unless we increase the sensitivity towards the victims of the Holocaust. And it's hard to do that because there aren't very many Holocaust survivors left. 
So a couple of generations ago, it was easy. You, you brought a Holocaust survivor into a high school. You, you, you talked to the, he or she talked to the high school. And the kids understood that this person actually witnessed the event. Steven Spielberg did a great job when he recorded Holocaust survivors and their stories. So at least we have real people telling the stories. And, and there's a university that created holograms of Holocaust survivors telling their stories. So at least we can use current technology to teach the Holocaust to future generations. In fact, there's, a, there's one hologram where you can sit down and you can ask the questions. You can ask the hologram questions and the hologram will answer. Let's hope that it increases and let's hope for peace within the Jewish community. Peace. I'm Howie Silberger. This is Political Hitman. I will see you next week right here on Israel News Talk Week. Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. Just click the orange button at the top of the IsraelNewsTalkRadio.home page, log in as yourself or an anonymous guest, and join in on the fun. You'll meet other listeners from all over the world who listen to Israel News Talk Radio, and you can make new friends. Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. It's the closest you can get to being in the studio with us. We love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Where can you get the inside news on Israel? At Israel News Talk Radio, we're dedicated to sharing Israel's inside story with the world by providing our listeners with news on Israeli politics, current affairs, and Israeli Jewish culture. The Israel News Talk Radio homepage also provides you, the listener, with useful information at your fingertips with scrolling news headlines, weather, currency exchange, Shabbat candle lighting times, and so much more. Our radio programming is always accessible and on demand. We operate absolutely free of charge for everyone, everywhere. If you love what we do, partner with us now by becoming an Israel News Talk Radio supporter. With your support, you'll be inscribed on our Israel News Talk Radio Wall of Fame. There's nothing like us in the world. Be part of something great. Israel News Talk Radio. Straight talk from Israel. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel. Plus, little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.